Welcome to the unofficial House of Wind book club, ran by two best friends and self-declared members of the Night Court. Today we are discussing chapters 41 and 42 of A Court of Thorns and Roses. I know you can hear me from the dark. I know you're listening from afar. I thought that no one could fix me. Libby, how are you doing? I'm good. It's been a fun week. How about you? And my other best friend just left back to America yesterday and it was very sad. So I'm sad. I'm sorry. How'd the trip go at least? The trip was really, really, really good. Lots of things happened, but I'll give you three highlights because you know I will talk for like approximately 47 minutes (laughs) about myself and that's not what this podcast is for. But it went so good. So we had a photo shoot in the mountains and it was night court inspired. I don't think Lindsay knew it was Night Court inspired, but I just convinced her to wear crowns and gown dresses with stars on them. Okay. And I had like dark red lipstick on and mine was a black like ball gown with little tiny nighttime stars and moons. I love it. It was so cool. I will obviously post a photo on Instagram from the photo shoot, but it was just so fun. So that was one of the cool things we did. We also did a haunted ghost tour on Halloween at night in Venice. What? Okay. Tell me all about it. Yes, please. How was it? It was great. We walked around the streets of Venice and got told a bunch of cool stories that I would never have known or researched myself. Okay. So it was really cool. I actually want to look up some more ghost stories of what what has happened in Venice because there's a lot of cruel things. Actually, Venice was ruled by a parliament of sorts, right? Okay. And there was something called like the Guild of Ten or the Something of Ten. It was these 10 people who were like the mercenaries of Venice. And it it was just so cool. And they, they rotated every Year, so nobody held too much power and it was just it was so cool to learn about so that was amazing the guy was british and so i just got to listen to his lovely accent and he was acting like out the stories and he was very good at it and so that was so much fun and i got to walk around like at midnight with my other best friend her husband and who i call my bonus husband and then my husband so it was like one awesome cool double date for halloween night so that was amazing and then also i i cried at aldi oh Okay. Well, okay. Explain what Aldi's is for those who don't have an Aldi's. Hi, Aldi is my favorite place in the entirety of the world. And I say that because I also loved Aldi in the US. It is a grocery store. I love grocery stores. And I don't know, the Aldi's over in Europe, which is where Aldi originated, was in Germany. I did not know that. It makes sense. Yeah. So Aldi originally originated (laughs) in Germany. And so all the Aldi stores over here are much more upscale than back in the States. Okay. So Aldi is usually like a a discount grocery store in the States, but Aldi here is like one of the nicer grocery stores. Oh. They've got a full bakery in the back with like freshly made croissants every day and fresh bread. What? And donuts. and Yeah. No. Aldi is amazing here. So when Lindsay said she was coming over to visit, we joked like one of the things we had to do was go to Aldi because we both love Aldi. Yeah. And so we did. It was like one of like in the middle of the trip. And I started crying because it was nice just to have her back doing normal life. Yeah. Like, yeah, sure. Going to Venice was cool and going like traveling across Italy like we did. That was really cool. But the coolest part was having one of my people back doing normal life stuff. It almost feels like a piece of home. Yeah, it felt normal. Yeah. You know, I've had to do life by myself 
for the last year and a half. Right. And I've gotten used to it. And even though I have wonderful friends here, it's not the same. Right. As a friend from back home, you know? Yeah. And so to have her here and just to be doing normal stuff and getting to have a best friend by my side to do everyday life stuff again was just really nice. So I ended up crying outside of Aldi <laughs> and I was driving and the girl <laughs> that drove past me looked at me like I was insane because I had tears pouring down my oh, face because no. Lindsay had gone to put the card away and then it just hit me like how much I missed the little stuff in life, oh. having her by my side. And uh, she got in the car and she goes, why are you crying in an Aldi parking lot? (laughs) So all in all, it was a fantastic trip. And the worst part was having to bring them back home, back to the airport. They ended up making it back. Unlike my parents, their flight didn't get delayed (laughs) and they didn't have to stay overnight in a city they don't belong in. Yeah, they're gone. And um, suddenly I want to return to America a lot sooner than next September. We'll see if that happens. But I I suddenly miss home a lot. Dang it. (laughs) What about you, Libby? Kind of an emotional week for me. Around this time of year is around when we lost my brother about eight years ago. And so it's a tough time of year for my family. But... (laughs) I don't know. We had some weird things happen this week. Weird good, weird bad. Weird good. It just, I guess weird unexpected is the best way to put that. We got a message from my husband's stepmom and they, his father and his stepmom have these family friends. They've been friends with them since like Skylar was little and they have a timeshare in Orlando, Florida and Mm -hmm. they aren't going to use it. And so they had reached out and was like, hey, does anyone want to use it for free? It's a condo. It sleeps like X amount of people. Who would say no? Right. Who would say right. no? And so at first we were like, well, no, we can't because our holidays were kind of booked up of us going to see family or family coming to see us on certain holidays. And our kid is in school and we probably shouldn't pull her out to go on vacations. I say go for it. Well, so we started out saying no. I didn't know how much time I had left at work, uh, vacation time that I could use to do something like that. Right, time off. Right. And we were like, man, that really sucks. Like, usually going to places like that, the most expensive part is the lodging. So we were like... Right, and you'd have a free... We would have it for free. So I was like, you know, how about we just check and see how much time off I have and then... If I have enough time off, I'll put in the request just for like shits and giggles and you can reach out to your stepmom and have them see if we can still use the timeshare. So it turns out I have more than enough time off available still. Heck yes. So I put in the request and time off is a little bit different with my job because around the holidays, there's holiday time off. So you can request normal vacation time at any point throughout the year. Okay. But they don't let people request like holidays all like whenever they feel like it. That way nobody's claiming a holiday before someone else gets the chance to. I say, that sounds fair. Right. That sounds fair. So I was nervous because it turns out my daughter will have a whole week off where we are free basically from her school anyway. Right. We don't have to be anywhere and no one's going to be here. So we're like, we could go then and so the thing is it's a few days up before Christmas so (laughs) I was really nervous that my request would be denied and be like nope this is too close to Christmas that we can't do regular you have to request it and compete against everyone and hope that you'll get all those days off and so I was really expecting them to just shoot me down I ended up getting approved the time off approved 
my husband reached out to his stepmom and we ended up getting the timeshare. So now we will be spending a few days right before Christmas at Disney with our daughter. Oh, shoot. So she'll be, she will get to experience the holidays, the Christmas holiday at Disney World. Um, so if anyone's there, like, and you see me, tell me that you know me from the podcast first. Don't just like be like, oh my God. I was yeah. going to say, don't just like come up. I will probably be very scared. We invited my sister and her fiance as well, and they will be coming with us. So I'm super excited. And all of this, we found out everything was going to happen on like one of the anniversaries of my brother's passing. So it was just a very emotional time that this was all happening. Like such a good thing kind of fell into our laps and we were not expecting it by any means. And my mom is like, nope, your brother, your brother wanted you to go to Disney for Christmas. So I can't say that it's been a bad week. See, in a, a week that could have gone negatively. Which normally it does. You got some help and now it's a positive experience. And just think, how happy is your daughter that her two favorite aunts in the world are going to be there over the holidays? Oh my gosh. She is ecstatic. She was making cards, Christmas cards for her aunt Sam and her aunt Maddie and she cannot wait to spend the time with them. I just think this sounds like the best holiday ever. Uh, we're excited. And we're have the best time. I think my husband might be more excited than my daughter. Listen, as as your self-proclaimed Disney adult, that is way within his right to be super excited. He didn't get those types of childhood vacations. So, And yes, he has already made the reservation to build another lightsaber. Oh my God. <laughs> Should I count real quick, Abby? They're right there in the corner. We have... No, no, you, no, no, no. You don't want to count how many we already have. <laughs> Lining the wall. Is it his favorite thing in the world? To build a lightsaber at Disney? Yeah. I, you know, it probably is. Okay, let him do it as many times as he wants. Oh yeah, no, no, absolutely. Till his little heart is happy. I think there was one trip where he didn't do it. And I was like, are you Are you sure? Like, what What are you doing? Are you sick? Do you have a fever? <laughs> well, he ended up just getting a replica of Obi-Wan, his lightsaber. Okay. So I was like, this makes yeah. a little more sense now. Okay, I understand then. I understand why you're not doing what you normally do. <laughs> I think other than the, anything Star Wars, anything Figment, related at disney is his favorite oh yeah figment and star wars are his two absolute favorite things i think about disney libby can i tell you an update on my cardigan that i've been crocheting during this podcast (laughs) yes please okay so the whole back is done okay the entire thing is done the front is halfway done okay or like it's almost all the way done being crocheted yeah and then the next part just has to be done but i had to take a little detour and we'll have to share this on the page i have a wiener dog we now know her and love her, little Luna. I crocheted her a little sweater <laughs> because she was getting cold. It went straight from like summer to winter here. Oh. We had maybe one week of fall weather. So now it's very cold. <laughs> and so little Luna has been like shivering when she goes outside. So I, I just had to tell you, I made her a little sweater and it's the cutest thing ever. Do you guys have heat like in your house? I wanted to be a smart ass and say... No, I, yes, we have heat. Well, you don't have yes, AC, Libby. so I feel like that's not a stretch. <laughs> we don't. All right. We don't have central heating or central cooling. We do have, um, actually, we have heated floors. Oh, wow. So everything here is done by radiators, right? So instead of like a heater unit, I don't know what they're called, we have 
a, I guess, a boiler downstairs. Okay. And everything's done by like hot water. So the water pipes in our floors are close enough to the floor that whenever water goes through them to our radiators, we also can feel the hot water on the floor and it heats our floors. So we have nice warm heated floors and we have radiator units in every big room. Yeah. So like living room, bedroom, everywhere we need it. Yeah. And my husband... My lovely, wonderful husband did, in fact, let us turn the heat on while Lindsay and Sean were here. Okay. Now, um, they left yesterday and the heating was off, you know, yesterday morning. Okay. So I now will be living in cold until December. (laughs) But technically, yes, we have heat. It just cost $3 million to turn it on. Oh, good. That reminds me that my husband's dad, my father-in-law, is um, like, he's like an HVAC guy. He does all things like air conditioning and everything. And You should tell him about my heating issues. <laughs> he will have so many answers for you, so many suggestions. When you call someone to come repair that kind of stuff out at your house, he's the guy that like teaches them. Like all, all we would have to do oh. is call him and be like, this looks kind of weird. And we can be like, it's making like a noise. And he could immediately tell you like the year it was made, the make, the model. Like he doesn't even have to see these things. He just knows this stuff. And... I love it because anytime we live somewhere, like the first thing he wants to do is look at whatever our HVAC system is. That's so cute. (laughs) It's so sweet. When he visited us at one point when we were living near my parents, we had all gone over to my parents' house. And the first thing he wanted to do was go look at my parents' like HVAC system. He's like, can I look at your HVAC system? He was. He was very interested. And it was so sweet. And so like, Whenever, like, talking about that kind of stuff, he's immediately who I think of with any of that. Or, like, if we have any problems, I mean, even if it's, like, our washer and dryer, we just call him and, like, he can automatically tell us what the issue is and how to fix it. You need to tell him that when we first moved to Italy, we didn't understand that there was a difference between summer mode and winter mode on our heating system. And so we turned on all the radiators. Yeah. But... There wasn't any hot water going through it because we weren't in the right mode mm-hmm. for like the time of the year. So we spent two weeks shivering in bed oh. with it being 45 degrees in the oh house because we couldn't figure out how to fix our AC. <laughs> he's going to want your number and he's going to call you and he's going to give you a breakdown on everything you'll ever need to know. Thank God we have my fix-it-all man here who his name's Steven and he's one of my best friends here. Her husband. Yeah. And so Steven, anytime I have like a car issue or you can't get our AC to work or anything like that, do we call our landlord? No. No, 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 no. no. We call our Steven (laughs) and Steven fixes it for us and it is wonderful. See, when it comes to anything with our cars, we just have to call Skylar's older brother. And he'll tell us how to do all that over the phone. He's he's the one that he doesn't have to see the car. You just tell him, again, it's making a uh, noise. And he's like, oh, this is the, the car. And this is how you fix it. So we've got his dad for our house issues, his brother for our car issues. And anything with technology is my husband. So we've got our bases covered. Question. Do you know how to change the oil in your car? My husband does. No, do you? I don't. No. Do you know how to change a tire? No. Great. I'm glad I'm not alone because I know none of the answers to those things. Oh, God. I was like, are you about to shame me? (laughs) No. Not even a little bit. I was not taught that. I was not taught those things. Hey, Libby, speaking about our favorite humans, I have a question for you. Question of the week. Okay. How did you know that your husband was the one? Oh, man. When we first met, I did things very differently where I think I've said this in the past. I stopped kind of putting on this facade of being well put together. And I was just kind of me mm-hmm. and was like, either you like me or you don't. And if you don't, goodbye. 
And mm-hmm. he did. He liked me. Well, of course he did. Right. We're still married. He didn't seem to look at me like I had flaws or like things were deal breakers or that there were problems. I was me. And he wanted to be there and he wanted to be with me. And very early on, we knew each other for about a week and a half before we started dating. And (laughs) three days after after that, he told me he loved me. And oh, my God. Oh, yeah. (laughs) I like froze and was like, buddy. "Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. I didn't know what to say. And I was, I was very nervous. I really was. I was like, oh no. Well, yeah, I don't blame you. And he was like, you do not have to say it back. He was like, I don't expect you to say it back. He was like, I just want you to know it. He was like, I'm okay waiting however long you need. Just that, I guess. That to me was like, oh, this is different. Like he's very respectful and understanding. And there was never any pressure in the relationship. I never felt like there was an expectation for me to do anything or be anything. I just. Right. I was just me and that's all he wanted was for me to be me and be there. And so he made me feel loved and safe and like he wanted me. And I was like falling really hard at that point. And I mean, there were just little things. I I didn't feel uncomfortable around him. I could fall asleep and take naps and I didn't feel like I was being judged or like I had to like be cute at all times like I mean being able to nap you around just someone be you. right being able to be that at ease that you can nap around someone to me was huge mm-hmm. or like I could pig out on food and it wasn't like oh my gosh does he think I'm like overindulging or fat which mm-hmm. that's teenage Libby talking like so there were there were a lot of things he was everything I could have ever wanted him to be And then so much more. And I was just constantly like, I'm waiting for this man to wake up and realize he could do better. And he still says that where he's like, "Um, no, I'm still waiting for you to realize that you you could do better. So we're constantly debating who's the lucky one, who's the one that hit the jackpot. And we just, I don't know. I I feel like it works out. But I think that there's, I don't want to say luck. There's been a lot of, I don't know. We've grown together. We were teenagers in high school when we met and we got married I was 19 he was 18 yeah and when we got married and we were babies we were 80 baby that terrifies me to think of my kid getting married as at that age I'm like oh my god but how am I supposed to tell her no <laughs> when I did it yeah when you did the thing so you could be yourself around him yeah authentically genuinely myself I could look like I got hit by a truck I could look absolutely deplorable gross greasy rough day and he's just like you were just so cute like and I'm like are, are you blind are you okay do you smell me I smell me like what is wrong with you like hair is up in the grossest bun yep. oil slick oh. <laughs> you've got like morning breath and he's like oh my god you're there's gorgeous. crusties in my eye <laughs> can relate Uh, a little bit of dry drool maybe i don't know maybe like just ickiness all together just uh and he's just like you're stunning and i'm like what i'm like are you ill (laughs) do do you want something (laughs) what is happening he's this person where like i look at him and i'm like you are literally the person i've dreamed of i've been like that would be like the best possible outcome is to be with someone like him and then you're real and you want me and i'm like whoa what has happened? Why is life so amazing? What is this? And can we just can we just say 
that Skylar is aging like fine wine. <laughs> I have to agree. He's got the cutest little peppered hair. This poor man started graying when he was 12. That is not an exaggeration. When he was 12, his hair started graying. And so people are very shocked to find out that not only is he in his 20s, but he is younger than me. He yeah. <laughs> and they're always like, what? <laughs> He's very proud of his mustache. It works for him. What about you, Abby? My husband, he is the first person that's wanted me to act my weird, normal self around him. Both of us, really, came from a family where you couldn't all the time be yourself, you know? Mm -hmm. At some point, she had to put on a, a face. My dad is the mayor of the town I live in, and I come from a family that's known in the area I'm from. And so people would come up in the store all the time and did, I haven't seen you since you were, you know, X years old and you'd have to put on a face, right? Right. Being weird in my family was not encouraged. Okay. Um, it was actually probably the biggest insult you could give is if you were weird. Oh. And I was always uh, not, uh, I was weird. I was a weird kid, weird artsy kid. So when I met my husband and he <laughs> is very outgoing with when he's with people that he loves. He's an introvert. Yeah. But once you're with him and once you know, once you get to know him, he's very funny and very outgoing. Yes. It just takes that little bit of ice to break. Says very off the wall things. <laughs> yeah, and just makes you laugh, right? Yes. So we started to hang out and he was really nervous at first. I like I actually I nine one 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 of my friends during our first date <laughs> because he was so nervous. He was talking about like family in the mafia or something. <laughs> it was just really weird. He didn't hold my hand. Like it wasn't a first date that I left thinking, oh, I'm going to marry this man, right? Right. I literally left and thought, oh, I'll never see him again. <laughs> oh, gosh. But this isn't when I knew I wanted to be with him forever, but this is when I knew he was different. His back went out on New Year's. We met the day after Christmas, and he wanted to hang out on New Year's Eve, which I thought was pretty cute. But the day of New Year's Eve came around, and he actually, his back went out. So he was on muscle relaxers. Oh, gosh. <laughs> because the poor guy was in so much pain. Oh. And so I messaged him and I was like, hey, don't even worry about it. We'll hang out a different time. Like, because obviously I didn't want to go over to this guy's house who had muscle relaxers. That was weird. <laughs> and he didn't tell me this until when we rescheduled. But even with his back being in such pain, he went to Walmart and got us champagne and appetizers oh. and threw up, literally put together a whole party for us. Oh my God. Just me and him for New Year's Eve. And like when I found that out, one, I obviously felt horrible, <laughs> but two, it was just such a sweet yeah. gesture that he would want to do that. And like when we did end up rescheduling, he did throw the whole party for us and we redid New Year's Eve. No way. It was, it was perfect. It was so cute. But the true moment I knew that we would be together forever is, again, like I mentioned, he is very much an introvert. And introverts, one of the key traits of them is that being around people takes energy from them, right? Yes. Social battery draining. Very quick social battery drain. You need time alone to recharge. We were sitting in his house one day. And I mean, I had not slept at my own house in a week. Okay. I was staying with him, basically living in his townhouse at the time. But I looked at him and I was like, don't you ever get tired of me? Because again, I went to work and went back to his house like there was never a break. And he goes, you are the only person I have ever met who doesn't take energy away from me when I hang out with him. You are the only person that I've ever hung out with that makes me feel like a better version of myself. Yes. Aww. And in that moment right then, I was like, yep, that's, that's special. 
That is, I will never leave him. I don't think I will ever find that kind of love in my life again. <laughs> Until we got married and I moved to Italy. Wait, so where was y'all's first date? Uh, 54th Street. Okay. And then, oh my gosh, your, your husband will love this. We went to see a Star Wars movie afterwards. Oh. Libby, ask me if I've seen any other Star Wars movies than the one we went to see. I don't think I need to, but go ahead. No. Nope. So many. Had no Nine. idea what the hell was going on. Not even a little bit. But I didn't tell him that. Do you know which Star Wars movie you saw? Oh, Libby. No. Okay. I did. I figured I'd ask. I spent the whole movie trying to see if he was going to hold my hand. Because, like, I put my hand close to him. Yeah. You know what I'm, like, a little nervous. I put my hand close to him. And he didn't hold my hand once the entire no night. No way. And so I was like, he hates me. Now I know. He was so nervous and he was overthinking it the whole time. You know, it's hilarious. Skylar and I, our first date. It started out, we were supposed to go to SeaWorld with a bunch of friends, a group, a group of friends. One by all, one, they all canceled on us. They all dropped out. And we were like, well, let's not go all the way to SeaWorld, just the two of us. Like, that seems a little pointless. Because it was enough of a drive that, like, it just, it would have been a lot. A little bit weird, yeah. So <laughs> we were like, okay. He's like, but do you want to do something else? I was like, well, we can, like, go see a movie or something. So, like, we end up going to see Hotel Transylvania. The, the kids because oh there was like nothing else and so we go and i'm not sure if it's a date because it was supposed to be a group hang and then like then it's just the two of us at a kids movie and so i'm just kind of like i don't know if he thinks this is a date so i don't know if i should think this is a date right so like we're sitting next to each other and <laughs> he buys the tickets and the popcorn and everything and i'm like okay this feels very date like so we're sitting there and i've literally got my hand up on the thing like out hand outstretched like i don't know how much more obvious i could have been unless i had the hand in his face like right hold my hand hold it this man stared at my hand for like the whole movie and didn't <gasps> grab my hand and at that point i'm like oh my god this isn't a date he hates me it's not a date it's not a date and i was so humiliated and i just like left my hand there because like i don't know what else to do and so I was humiliated. So the movie ends and he's like, well, do you want to like go get some Froyo or something? And I was like, sure. So we go and like, it's Froyo. We're in Texas. So it's hot outside. It's cold inside. I'm getting cold in the Froyo place. And he's like, are you okay? Like, are you cold? I was like, yeah. And so then he holds my hand and is like warming up my hand. And I'm like, okay. And it was like, maybe this is a date. And then we start like talking about our families and he drops me off and kisses me goodnight. And I'm like, Okay, yeah, that's definitely a date thing. Yeah. It was a date. We got there. I think it's hilarious that both James and Skylar, neither one of them, could grab our hands. And now they are the most lovey, affectionate men in the world. Yes. Yep. My friend, are you ready to read chapter 42? Nope. 43. 41. I got there. One of those chapters is for today. We don't know which one it is. But it's one of them. We'll eventually get where we need to go. We'll find it out. Chapter 41. Following her second trial, Feyre's day began to go by in a blur of darkness. Feyre looked forward only to the evenings when she would be given her glass of Fey wine and made to forget and disappear into herself. Feyre had given up on solving the riddle. Thinking of Tamlin only hurt and made things worse. Feyre knew that she may have survived two tasks, but the third would be the one to destroy her. Feyre knew that no matter what, she wouldn't be allowed to leave alive, and part of her understood this. She didn't blame Amaranth at this point. The future she had once dreamed of would stay a dream. Even if she survived this, she would at best have a few decades with Tamlin before she died anyway. So Feyre gave up. 
She gave up and gave in to the fairy wine, letting it consume what little was left of her. As the night court fae females were guiding her to the bathing chamber, they happened across the adder. They too tensed up at the sight of him. Favor had never gotten used to the adder, but rather accepted his appalling presence. They were all three veiled, but Favor's steps felt heavier, just being near him. The adder's steps grew nearer, and the fae females hid with Favor in a close-by alcove, draping over them a tapestry that had not previously been there. The adder sounded pleased with some sort of development in Amarantha's plans going well. Companions of the adder inquired of high lord soldiers being contributed. The adder calmed their worries as the high lords would do as Amarantha told them. One companion mentioned of the Highburn High King being unhappy with this situation of the girl going on. Amarantha cost Highburn the war over Jurian and was now making a fool's bargain over another human. Amarantha had better not turn her back on Highburn and refuse to supply these soldiers. Highburn would not be quick to forgive this. The Adder vehemently defended Amarantha, proclaiming that she makes no bargains that are not advantageous. She may give the illusion of hope, but it would all be with the outcome of shattering said hope and breaking the captives down into her minions. Beautifully broken minions. The Adder warned his companions to hold their tongues or Amarantha would do it for them and would not be so kind in the process. The companions retorted back that Amarantha had better not think so highly of herself to be above the King of Highburn, simply because she ruled this pathetic land of Prithian. He could easily strip her powers away and wouldn't need spells or potions to do so. The conversation went silent, and Favor grew ill, now knowing this King of Highburn was itching to take back the human realm. Favor grew cold at the thought of her sisters and father back in human lands. Favor asked the Night Court Fae, what was that? No, who was that? trouble, they said together in unison. Favor knew Nesta was prepared to get her family away to safety, and Rhysand would soon enough know what they had just heard. There was nothing she could do. Nobody left for her to warn or save. So these days continued to pass, pushing her one step closer to the third and final task. Favor had lost her will so deeply that she knew it would take something phenomenal to pull her back. She lay in her cell watching the light dance along the wet ceiling stones when she heard a noise drift into her cell. At first, it felt like a hallucination, but when she closed her eyes, she could hear it more clearly. It sounded like a living painting. It was passionate and beautiful and alive. Favor imagined leaving the cell and finding an open sky at sunset or sunrise to fill the clouds and world with magentas and purples. It wasn't until warm tears fell upon her arms that she realized she was crying. The music was a fantastic escape, filling her with hope and love and determination. It reminded her of Tamlin's breathy laugh and those three words on his tongue. The melody broke the depression filling her cell and the emptiness taking over her soul. Even when the music stopped, Favor could hear it in her head. The music wove her warmest memories into a quilt that embraced her. Two more days and Favor would face this final task. Chapter 42 Feyre thought the party she was attending was just as normal as any other party, even though this could possibly be the last one she'd attend. No one mentioned the impending challenge that tomorrow brought. She wondered if even they knew she'd fail. Feyre was a fly on the wall waiting for her new master to call upon her. Rhysand was taking his sweet time summoning her to whatever he needed from her that night. She assumed it was because of the pretty Fay sat upon his lap, but she knew he'd soon bore of her. She was alone, not wanting to stare Amarantha's way and knowing no one would approach her. 
She simply wished for everything to be over. The trials, the curse, being Rhysand's toy, the anticipation of when Rhysand would be calling upon her was her only focus, so much so that she didn't notice when or who had suddenly appeared at her side. She didn't have to look to know immediately who it was. Tamlin, her high lord. His fingers brushed against hers, and tears immediately came to her eyes. She wished that he didn't have to touch her hand, now claimed by another man with that horrible tattoo. Fire burned through Feyre in those moments their bodies touched again. His fingers dropped from hers as he walked away. But when he looked back at Feyre and cocked his head to the side, she understood. He wanted her to follow. He made his way through the door, and she slowly followed, each step taking a lifetime until she made her way through the same door, no one bothering to look at Reese's plaything. It took less than a second in the darkness before he found her, his lips slamming into hers. Words seemed useless in that moment, as Feyre tried to grip him harder, kiss him deeper. She ripped off his shirt, needing to feel him under her hands once again. It took all her strength not to moan when he seized her breast. Feyre wanted nothing less than for him to be gentle, as their love was nothing but frenzied and wild. Finally, his lips left hers and trailed to her neck. He bit her just like he had on fire night, causing her to almost lose control. She realized this might be the last time she'd ever get to touch him, and she refused to waste the opportunity. She quickly grabbed to unbutton his belt, his lips meeting hers again with increased intensity. If this was their last moments that they'd have together, Feyre wanted him right here and right now. She wrapped a leg around his waist and pulled him even closer to hers as his hips grinded against her. The belt finally fell to the floor, and Tamlin let out a moan into her ear. Feyre began to unbutton his pants when she heard a cough. Shameful, someone said. Reese. He was somehow further into the passageway from the door than they were. He must have used his magic, and Feyre wondered if the Fae could just walk through walls at this point. Reese treaded Tamlin saying, look at what you've done to my pet. But Tamlin and Feyre didn't utter a word. Reese continued saying that he thought Amarantha would be upset to see that her favorite warrior was dallying with the human help. Reese pondered aloud how Amarantha would punish Tamlin, possibly by hurting Lucian, considering he still had one eye left to lose. Tamlin slowly removed his hands from Feyre and stepped back. Reese commended Tamlin on finally being reasonable. He said, now be a clever high lord and buckle your belt and fix your clothes before you go out there. To Feyre's surprise and alarm, Tamlin did exactly as he was told. He never looked away from her as he did. Her paint on his clothes disappeared. Reese told Tamlin to enjoy the party. I love you was all that came out of Tamlin's mouth as he left the room, and he never looked back. A laugh came from Reese. If you're that desperate for release, you should have asked me, he said. She called him a pig as she covered her breasts. The distance between the two ceased to exist as Reese pinned her arms to the wall. He asked her, do you actually intend to put yourself at my mercy? Are you truly that stupid? All she replied was that she wasn't his slave. He called her stupid and asked if she had any idea what would have happened if Amarantha had found the two lovers together. Even though Tamlin wouldn't sleep with Amarantha, she kept him at her side, hoping that someday she could break him. Reese called Feyre and Tamlin fools for thinking that no one would notice them both gone. She asked him why he even cared, and the grip on her wrists tightened. He could break her bones in less than a second if he wanted to. Why do I care? He asked, his voice tight with rage. Wings sprouted from his back. Why do I care? He suddenly looked between the door and Feyre's face before his wings disappeared. His lips found hers, forcing his tongue into her mouth. She could still taste Tamlin as Reese forced his way farther into her. She fought against him, but his grip held as the door slammed open. Amarantha stood with Tamlin at her side, his eyes wide open, seeing the two intertwined. A laugh escaped her mouth, and Tamlin's mask of apathy returned. 
More high they appeared in the doorway behind the queen, laughing at the sight. Amarantha almost looked jealous for a second to see her whore with another. She said she knew it was just a matter of time because all humans were alike. Pharaoh was just another typical human trash with an inconsistent, dull heart. Reese grabbed Pharaoh's arm and drug her back into the party room. In the light, Pharaoh could see the paint smudges on her breast and stomach and paint magically appearing on Reese's hands to match. He told her he was tired of her for the night and said it was time for her to go back to her cell. Amarantha smiled, hearing Pharaoh's dismissal from the High Lord. Tamlin kept his back to Feyre the entire time. Many hours later, though she wasn't sure exactly how long that was, she heard footsteps approaching her cell. It was Reese, the man who she could still taste on her lips. She asked what he wanted. He massaged his temples before answering and said he needed a moment of peace and quiet from this mess. He continued saying the damn bitch was running him ragged. That sure, Feyre hated him, but only imagine if he made her serve in his bedroom. He was the high lord of the night court, not the queen's harlot. Vera took in that all the rumors were true. She could also see just how much she would have hated him if he made her do what he was forced to endure. Vera asked him why he was telling her this. He, for the first time since they've met, spoke to her without swagger or nastiness in his voice. Because I'm tired and lonely and you're the only person I can talk to without putting myself at risk. One wrong move tomorrow, Feyre, and we're all dead. Feyre's breath caught in her throat. And if you fail, then Amarantha will rule forever. Feyre voiced a question she'd been too scared to ask. If she captured Tamlin's power once, who's to say she can't do it again? Reese assured her that Tamlin wouldn't be tricked so easily again. He told her that Amarantha keeps the High Lord's powers contained, but she can't access them completely. She can control the Lords through them, though. That's why Rhysand couldn't shatter her mind or she'd already be dead. He assured that the moment she broke Amarantha's curse, Tamlin's rage would kill Amarantha in seconds. He asked Feyre why she thought he was doing all this and pointed towards her. Feyre answered because she thought he was a monster. And while he admitted that was true, that wasn't why. He was a pragmatist and a monster. His ability to make Tamlin as angry as possible was his best weapon against Amarantha. The bargain that Feyre agreed to with him was just another way to anger Tamlin. Feyre asked why Tamlin wouldn't also kill Reese. Reese countered with his own question. Hadn't Feyre ever wondered why Reese has never touched her beyond her waist or arms? It was Reese's only claim to innocence. While Reese wouldn't have loved anything more than to enjoy Feyre, it was his only way to convince Tamla that he was on Feyre's side the whole time. Feyre asked another question. Why did Amarantha target him to be her whore? He replied, Besides the obvious good looks he had, it was because his father killed Tamlin's father and brothers. Feyre stared in disbelief. Tamlin had never mentioned this. Reese continued that when Amarantha stole their lands from them, she decided that she wanted to punish the son of her friend's murderer. She hated Reese enough for his father's actions and decided that he needed to suffer. Feyre couldn't think straight. The horror that Amarantha had inflicted was beyond her human comprehension. He finished with, so here we are. With the fate of our immortal world in the hands of an illiterate human, he laughed, but it was soulless. What a mess. Half of Feyre wanted to find words that would hurt him as much as possible, while the other half fought to reach out and comfort him. She realized that if he hadn't kissed her, Amarantha would have known what happened when they saw the paint smeared on her and Tamlin's hands. She knew that for whatever motive, whether for her safety or his own, Reese was keeping her alive and had been ever before she came back to save their world. Reese acknowledged that he had told her too much, that maybe he should have drugged her first. He said that if Feyre was clever, she would find a way to use the information she now knew against him, to go straight to Amarantha and tell her the truth of her own whore. When you healed my arm, you didn't need to bargain with me. You could have demanded every single week of the year. 
every single week and I would have said yes. Farah knew it wasn't a question, but she still needed to hear his answer. I know, was all he said before vanishing into the shadows. Okay, dramas. Woo! Lots and lots and lots of thoughts and feelings on both of these. That was a hell of a chapter to read. Okay, what's your first thought and feeling? <laughs> Let's hear it. Right off the bat, where it ends, my heart, knowing that Reese knows he could have had as much time as he wanted and he didn't force that out of her. It's like, oh. Because he respected her enough. Right. He knew that even two weeks was too much. He knew he could get what he wanted. He knew. And he still respected her. Yeah, he gave her a hard time, but that's just who he is. He's that's, that's his character. That's the personality is to to get give you a tough time. We wouldn't love him if he wasn't a smart ass. Right. I fell in love with him a little bit here. Yes. It made my heart sad for him because it's just like we kind of see him reach his breaking point where he's like, I am just so tired of her, Amarantha, that is, and all of the things happening. And this is exhausting. And he just he just wants to sit and be himself and to just not be the character I think he's playing. You know, because for him to come in and just be like, I just need someone to talk to that I don't have to pretend with. And it's like, what do you mean? What do you mean? And to know that he just literally came from Amarantha's bed. (sighs) He calls her a bitch. Let's be real. He says that damn bitch is running me ragged. Trigger warning. He was repeatedly raped then. Anyone who's going to have any advantage of you in those ways deserves to be called bitch. Of course. I have no qualms about that. I think that was absolutely appropriate. After everything that he just endured, which is a nightmare of his own, he could go anywhere under the mountain. Yeah. He chose to see Pharaoh. That says a lot. I think it's appropriate with our question of the day. Oh. It feels fitting. You know, it feels fitting because both of us, I feel like our answers were that we could just be ourselves. We didn't have to pretend. We didn't have to put on this facade. We could feel at ease and like we could just breathe and be who we are with this person. Mm -hmm. And yet here we are seeing the exact same thing unfolding between Feyre and Reese. And it just makes my heart. uh. Good question, Libby. It was very fitting. I have so many feels. You know when you come home from a hard day? Yes. Or I mean, you work from home. You know when your husband comes home from a hard day? Or when I go down the hallway out of the office from a hard day? (laughs) Yes. Exactly. And you see them and it's almost like your heart just gets a little lighter because you know that Even just them being there makes everything a little bit more manageable. It literally is just a feeling of like, I can breathe. I can let go and breathe. Yeah, that's what he was looking for. And he found it with Feyre, not with anybody else under the mountain, but her. That makes me sad because she's so in love with Tamlin. And I'm just like, forget Tamlin. There's a really cute High Lord that (laughs) seems a lot more genuine. Actually, we need to talk. We need to talk about this my friend. Okay. They're under the mountain being kept as hostages, right? Yes. Sarah is currently going through trials of which she 100% could die in. In each one. Yes. Very real. Tamlin has a minute alone with her. Oh. And instead of helping her try to escape or ask, how are you doing? Is there anything I can help you with? He just wants to fuck. Or literally say anything a single word let's take Feyre and Tamlin out of this all right it's you and James all right okay you guys are in this situation right you and James are face to face what is the first thing you think James would say or do honestly hey I'm gonna let you know 
as a grown ass woman, the first thing in that tech would not be sex. I would be negatively 10 horny. No part of me. Not even a little bit. I would be fully panicked and thinking this is our chance. I need you to know I love you. How do we get you out? That would be my first thought. How do we get you out? How can I help you? Is there anything you need that I can get you? That would be my first thought. My first thought wouldn't be, you know what? I really want to bone him right now. I want him right here and right now. Didn't even say a word. Couldn't even just, I love you. Immediately, I'd be like, I love you. I know like things have been fucking hard as shit and I haven't been making eye contact or reacting or giving you literally anything to hold on to. But I love you. I'm doing this because I have to have the act. I have to let Amarantha know that this isn't hurting me, even though deep down I am hurting for you every time I see you. Anything. Fucking anything. We have not heard Tamlin voice that. We've heard Lucian come to... Tamlin's defense and say that that's why he's not reacting. We have never once gotten anything from Tamlin to explain his behavior Mm -mm. or lack thereof. You know what? Anything. I would have taken anything. How are you? Something. Are you okay? Just something. How creepy is this? He comes up next to her, doesn't say anything. They touch hands, like basically like slide once against the other. She's 20. Yeah. So poor girl is still young. This is her first relationship. 20 or is she 19 still? I don't know. She's one of those. Close enough. Either way. What I'm saying is I get why her hormones are intense. Yeah. He's a 500-year-old man. Keep your dick in your pants, sir. Help this woman you so horribly are in love with instead of just trying to have sex with her. Like, are you kidding For me? someone who was so cautious and, like, careful about, like, not revealing the curse, yet while giving her hints to try to figure it out along the way of, like, she could have said I love you. Like, trying to set her up to, like pick up on the pieces along the way and put that much effort into planning and trying to to orchestrate her breaking the curse. Why is there no planning on how to save or rescue her? Immediately just, I, I'm throwing you against the wall. We're doing this. Again, I can understand why Farah is emotionally and physically broken right now. Yeah. Like I can get why she has had no human touch. Well, Faye, you know uh, what I'm yeah, saying. No contact. Um, she's had no physical contact with anybody. I could see why her hormones would flare up that bad. In a loving, comforting way, yeah. Right, this is her, the first man she's ever loved. Like, I get that. You would think that this high lord of 500 years would use the brain in the top of his head, not the one in his penis, and maybe try to help her out. Like, are you kidding me? How many times throughout her deadly tasks has she looked to him just to make eye contact and let him know she loves him. She has gone above and beyond to literally save him and to make sure he feels loved and wanted and protected and pursued. And the first thing we get out of Tamlin is like... Suck my dick. First interaction, we're going to pound town. I was so angry when I read this. And rereading it, even worse. Do you think that Tamlin is doing this out of jealousy for what he... Not that it's okay, but do you think he's reacting out of jealousy for what he's seeing each night between Rhysand and her? I wouldn't say jealousy. I think he's reacting out of immaturity and he's reacting out of... Staking his territory even? No. Selfishness. Yeah. She's been falling into the Feywine. She's been releasing all of her thoughts and feelings and doing whatever that Rhysand has asked of her and just allowing it to happen. And he's watching this happen night after night after night. I'm sure seeing her in those scantily clothed outfits, it's getting him turned on. I'm sure that's where his brain is at. But you would think that this grown-ass man-child maybe would take a second 
for the love of his life to see how she's doing before, before trying to bang her in a closet. I don't even get how, if it is him getting turned on each night, how he could. Because Rhysand literally can put his hands all over Feyre and he still isn't doing that. He's still trying to work within boundaries. And Tamlin, to him, if he's watching these things happen to her and his first thought is like, I want to claim that for my own, not... I want to protect her from these people who are taking advantage of her. That's where my head goes. Okay, if we're going to throw Tamlin a bone, which I really don't want to do, but let me be nice for once, even though he doesn't deserve it. You can. I will not. They do run off of instinct. They're very instinctual creatures. So I could see how seeing another man on his person would make him want to claim her as his own. Sure, if we want to say that, I could see theoretically where that could happen. But at the same point, how much does that show of his character that he only sees Feyre as a thing for him to devour, a thing for him to have, not a thing for him to protect and respect? Here's why that doesn't work for me. Rhysand even says that he would totally enjoy doing those things with her, but he won't do it. But he doesn't. Exactly. He says, I would love nothing more yes. than to taste you. Yes. But I won't. Now... He says it for selfish reasons. He's like, because I don't want Tamlin to kill me when he gets really pissed off. Mm. But is there not a thought of yours in the back of your mind? Like, is he going to kill her immediately if Pharaoh wins? Because what if he just wants to screw Pharaoh the minute he wins, you know? To me, I still question what Tamlin's true feelings are for Pharaoh because I still wonder if all along... This was all a big manipulation to get her to break the curse. I mean, th- we go from... Their last true interaction being him hoping one more chance of getting her to break the curse and say that she loves him back. That doesn't happen to... So he sends her off. Right. And then they're under the mountain not looking at each other speaking. So to me, there's a lot of talk of how Tamlin feels and what he's doing, but none of it's coming from Tamlin. So I don't truly know what Tamlin's intentions or feelings are towards Feyre. I can give you that. I can respect that answer. What are your thoughts about the music that came down into herself? It's fucking creepy. <laughs> I'm sorry. I love music. I literally was voted most musical in high school. I understand that sometimes music is the only thing to get you through the day. But at the same time, it sounds like this woman is hallucinating and losing her marbles. Okay. Yeah. It was a moment that I was like, oh, girlfriend, you might have jumped off the deep end. And I don't know if you're all mentally there. It made me a little scared for her. What are your thoughts? Because I have a feeling they're not the same as mine. I'm confused by it. Okay. Because she seems to be convinced that this is coming from Tamlin. And I guess it just throws me off because he's done literally nothing to help her along. (laughs) Why this? Can we just reiterate that? Not a thing. Not a damn thing. No. And then suddenly there's this. I'm just very confused. You couldn't make eye contact for two seconds in the millions of moments that Amarantha was distracted. (laughs) But you're sending me music. But yeah, you can somehow manage to send her music. It's very confusing. Or why would he be sending it now? How would he know that she needed it at that moment? Because he hasn't bothered to even come down and see her. How would he know? Because he doesn't fucking look at her eyes at any point. He doesn't even look at her. He, how could he know anything? He probably he's probably like, is this even Feyre? I wouldn't know. Maybe it's another one of her townspeople, but I don't make eye contact. So, but he loves her so much. They're they're meant to be, but he doesn't care about looking her in the eye. <laughs> so I know what we've said in the past. We feel like Feyre is more lustful and maybe confusing love with lust with Tamlin. 
Do you think with Tamlin that... Uh-huh. What do you think about him? Like, is, do you think it's lust or love with him? I think Tamlin is not emotionally mature, obviously. Okay. Uh, case in point, proven right now. Mm-hmm. I think, if, especially if you want to talk about Fire Knight, he might, as a human being, confuse love and lust. Okay. I don't think he shows enough respect to her to love her. Do you think Tamlin has ever been... And love. Do you think he would actually ever truly know what what love is? Maybe love for his mom. Yeah. Maybe familiar love because he loves Lucian. But like romantic love. Romantically? I don't know. Do you? I don't. I think that had none of the under the mountain stuff happen and it wasn't all kind of being pulled by strings to get someone, a human to save all of them, I would be more willing to accept that maybe there are feelings there. Besides gifting her with things and showing her places how has he shown any love for her i don't know because he's encouraged a lot of her negative feelings towards her family instead of encouraging her to work through it and like try to get a better understanding you know like something more healthy he's just like yeah you should feel that way you're justified to feel all that hate and anger and then leaves it at that it's not like let's work through it let's find a better happiness let's just like, let's just forget they all ever ha- happen. Let's take you to therapy. Right. Let's just pretend they don't exist because forget them. You're never leaving. You're never going to see your your friends and family again. Forget them. I'm the only person that matters. I really think this man is manipulative. I think he grew up watching a twisted, toxic relationship between probably his mom and dad and doesn't have a real basis for what a healthy love would look like. Healthy, romantic love would look like. Do you think they have fairy porno magazines? Huh. Or fairy porn? Maybe like smut. Some people think that sex is how it should be in pornos. And obviously that's not real life. Right. Um, so I'm wondering if we're going to take that same thing. Like, does he think love is, is how it is pictured in in movies or pictured in... Um, I don't think they have movies. Romance books. Um, but yeah, like smut maybe. I mean, they have the limerick. Books or poems or, you know. Um, yeah, I don't think he has a realistic idea. I don't think he has anything to base it off of. I mean, look at the adult rom- romantic relationships that he has seen between, what, the Autumn Court? I was about to say with Lucian. Right, Lucian's brothers, I mean, they're sick. I mean, look what happened when Lucian fell in love. I mean, there there's so many examples around him of romantic relationships that either never got the chance to become something or are just disgustingly toxic and i'm not defending tamlin i just don't think he has any actual resources to learn from anything to actually go off of of what a healthy what's the right word positive relationship should be but no 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 no. at the same point neither does pharaoh very true so maybe it's both i mean we can't say pharaoh is without fault because no she also participated in this unnecessary sex scene oh absolutely i'm not thrilled that she just like went right with it. But I guess Tamlin's been leading the way throughout their entirety of their relationship. She has learned to shut up and do what he says and what he asks. Why would she speak out against him now? Especially when he's finally giving her what she probably feels is... Love. Love. Right. She's been begging for something, so anything, anything. Any ounce of attention at this point. He gives her something. Why would she fight against that? Why would she question it? Can I give you my favorite quote? Please do. I have two from my chapter. The first one is, but I lived in that moment. My life became beautiful again for those few seconds when our hands grazed. Girl is starved for any sort of attention. From Tamlin. From Tamlin. Yeah. And literally just touching his hand made her feel happy again. Like that is heartbreaking. And then also that was 
Feyre. This one is Tamlin. Nope. <laughs> this one is Reese. He says, so, he said wearily, here we are with the fate of our immortal world in the hands of an illiterate human. What a mess. That kind of sums up this whole book. Yeah, it really does. The entirety of the book summed up in Reese's very smart, what, one, two, three, four, five, 12 words. <sighs> Do you have a favorite quote? I just really enjoyed when uh, Feyre and Tamlin get caught. And it just goes, yeah, shameful, Rhysand purred, and we whirled to find him faintly illuminated by the light that broke in through the doorway. I just hear Rhysand, shameful. And you know he's judging so hard. Oh, absolutely. As he should. He's just chilling. This is the first time, too, that I think, that I that I can think of where I've seen Rhysand being talked about where he's not in darkness. He's not shrouded in darkness. He's illuminated by light. There was actually light. Yeah. And if we want to talk about that, the fact that he is the one saving the day there, even though Feyre feels violated by that kiss yes. and by his hands, at the end of the day, she realizes, oh, shit. If he wouldn't have done that, Amarantha would have known exactly what happened and we both would have been killed then. Yeah. So for once, he wasn't just the king of the night court. For once, he was actually saving her blatantly. Rhysand, a few pages later, it makes, I guess, his plan more clear where he was like, do you really, are you really going to be this stupid? Are you really going to put yourself in this position? Like, think, Feyre, think. I bet he's at this point like, I have done so much to keep you alive. What are you doing? Or even, I know you're smarter than this. That too. Was the vibe I was getting. Like, I know you're better than knowing that you shouldn't be in the room with the guy that you're not supposed to be with. You know what's funny to me is that he feels that way for Feyre. He's like, I know you're smarter than this. Not once is he like, Tamlin knows better. Even Tamlin, who's the 500-year-old high lord, he doesn't even expect Tamlin to be that honorable he's like i know you know better pharaoh like i know you're smarter he does not obviously think nearly as highly of tamlin at least that's what i thought he all he thinks of tamlin is a beast and a monster that's gonna get angry and kill amarantha he's just taunting him as much as he possibly can to get him as angry as possible when has he showed us that he can do anything otherwise not once obviously not in this chapter <laughs> all tamlin does is like <clears throat> blare his eyes and look the other way when she's caught with reese ann it's like really that still i love the end moment between those two pharaoh was like you could have taken every day of my year Ugh. you could have asked for whatever you wanted and i would have said yes can i just say i think your whole chapter is my favorite quote like your chapter was just uh oh, it was such a good chapter and Side note, for next next episode, I also love my chapter next episode, but... I don't. I don't love my chapter next episode. We'll get there, but good Lord. <laughs> There's so much unspoken communication between those two yes. in that moment. It's the first... She even said, for the first time since talking to Reese, his words weren't filled with nastiness. His words weren't filled with arrogance or hatefulness. He was just speaking to me. Well, I mean, he says, he's like, I don't want to be someone else right now. I just want to be me. And it's like, we literally, she literally got to see him just being the true Rhysand. His mask fell for a little bit. Yes, he's a smart ass, but like here we can see he's not this nasty, evil. There's more. There's clearly so many more layers, so much more depth to him that we have not even gotten to touch the surface on. But you know what? That mask comes on back at the very end. It really does. He is like, here we are, you know, with the fate of the world. 
what a mess. But then immediately he he starts kind of being mean to her again. He's like, you know how uh, th- this sometimes happens with guys when they get vulnerable for a little bit, but then they have to toughen back up at the end. <laughs> That's exactly what he's doing. He's like, you know what? I've told you too much. You should probably just go to Amarantha. Like, you know, screw it. I did too much. Why don't you do- go hurt me now? It's what he's used to. Building that wall back up. If I share myself, people are going to take that information against me. And instead of it being a, quote, surprise... I'm just going to tell her because I know that's what's going to happen, you know? Well, it's like he's protecting himself. Mm -hmm. He seems more willing to be vulnerable with Feyre, which, again, we have learned more about Rhysand and these few chapters than we have about Tamlin the whole book. You know what? I'm not mad about it. No, but it's just strange to me that Rhysand and Feyre have gotten so much less time together and under such intense scenarios, you know, like a lot of their interactions have been so... Right focused and driven on survival. They haven't gotten the downtime that Tamlin and Feyre had. And yet, Rhysand and Feyre have gotten to talk so much more. Listen, like earlier in the book, Feyre was like, he doesn't tell me anything. I have to basically beg for any any information about him or his past. Yeah. Even here, I feel like the ease of communication between Feyre and Reese is so much easier. It might be a little bit more strained as in their conversation topics are a little bit more rough. But... The ease of communication between the two. I mean, Feyre said it herself. I can't keep my mouth shut around him. Everything I learned with Tamlin and Lucian to just shut up and wait till I'm told to speak, basically, none of that happens. It's just an instinct. She just reacts. She is who she is without even a double thought. And it's just out there. She's already put it all out there for him. Well, didn't we say that is the key to soulmates, my friend? It really is. Our star of the week this week is the sweet and absolutely stunning Ronnie. She is from at words to escape on Instagram. And her tagline always cracks me up because it says she's like Matilda if she read smut. So she is basically all of us. Ronnie actually is going to tell you all about herself and her little about me blurb here. So Ronnie, take it away. So hi, my name is Ronnie. My bookstagram account is words to escape. Where do I start? So I've always been a reader. My parents encouraged it when I was younger. You know, I grew up reading. I I love like a typical like YA dystopian book. And then I got to like my early 20s. I was in university. I got like my first full-time job. I suppose like being reading just had a bit of a, a hiatus. You know, we had a little break. There was no hard feelings. And I would dabble in reading now and again. I tended to pick up like thrillers, psychological thrillers for a little bit, especially when I went on holiday. You know, I didn't read as much as I do now. And then COVID hit. You know, it, it, it affected so many people in so many different ways. I ended up getting COVID right before Christmas. I had family visiting that I hadn't seen in years um, because this was at the end of 2021. And I ended up having to like isolate away from the rest of the household. Um, It, it hit me mentally, like well-being wise, pretty bad. I don't know why, it just did. And I needed like a little bit of an escape, something to just keep me distracted during that like, you know, difficult time that I'm sure is difficult for so many people. So I picked up my iPad. I think I had like Apple books at the time and I just didn't know what to read. And I came across this series you might have heard. It's called A Court of Thorn and Roses by Sarah J Maas. And I absolutely devoured the entire series. I think A Court of Silver Flames had just come out in the last month when I read this. I I don't think I came up for air until I finished um, Nestor and Cassian's story. I feel like A Court of 
Thorn and Roses is like the the pivotal point for so many readers like me. Even if you don't read fantasy, it's almost like Akatar just you know jump started everyone's reading journey like it reintroduced me to a completely different genre i've always liked romance but i've never ever read open door finished the series and i was like where where can i get more of this spicy romance i did lots of research i was like where can i find more and then i slowly started to come across bookstagram accounts and i was like these people are amazing like they are just promoting books that they love. They're hyping up amazing authors, indie authors, traditionally published authors. I have <laughs> I have come across so many amazing authors that I just don't think you get the opportunity to see in your, you know, your typical. So for me, it's like Waterstones, the works. You don't see as many indie authors in those bookshops. So the Bookstagram account, Bookstagram community was amazing for me to um, come across so many authors. I... I was like, I really want to, I want to join this community. I was like speaking to my friend Isla and I was like, I'm nervous. I don't want to do this. I don't, you know, is it, is it lame of me to start this account? I, you know, it, so many different like things were going through my brain. And then one day I was like, nope, I'm doing it. Made a couple of really bizarre edits of book reviews. I think I did like, um, Mile High by Liz Tom Ford, Consider Me by Becca Mack, which is like one of my absolute favorite books now. And then that's it. Like, you know, July 2022, here I am now. And I absolutely love it. I love being a part of the community. You know, my IG handle is words to escape. I use reading to escape when I'm struggling with anxiety, when I'm having a bad well-being day. Reading is the perfect escape for me. Um, it is how I cope with stress. What I did not expect, you know, finding amazing authors, having a place to escape, you know, I did not expect to meet so many amazing people worldwide. That shocked me. I think I have made so many friends. And I think when you get into, so I'm, I'm nearly 30, I'm 30 in a couple of weeks. And I think you get to a certain age in your adult life where you don't really think you're going to meet people outside of your already existing close-knit friendship group or, you know, work friendship groups. So the fact that I've been able to meet people across the world, you know, I've met, people I was in New Orleans recently and met a friend I'm meeting an author friend next week in Dublin Hannah Baird I, I never expected that um ever and I constantly in awe of that community and I'm really grateful for it to be able to have another complete different platform of friends like love my friends so much but they do not read what I read <laughs> so it's really great to meet like-minded people I don't know if I've said too much <laughs> But I suppose if you ever like come across my account, it is, I my go-to is contemporary romance. I do love fantasy romance and like dark romance. I don't read it as much. I tend to have to be in like a particular mindset for fantasy and dark. Whereas contemporary, I can just read back to back. Small town, sports romances, absolutely love them. Hockey romance, you know, give it to me on a plate and I will just eat it up. But I love just finding new authors and it's it's one of the best decisions of my adult life um, as well as marrying my husband because I have to give him a shout out, I'm sure. If my adult life is, is joining this bookstagram community, life-changing. And I am very grateful to be part of it. And if you are thinking, if you're all like me nearly two years ago and you're like, I really want to join the community, I'm nervous, just do it. Like you, you honestly have nothing to lose and there is no doubt that you will love being part of this community. So yeah, thanks very much. 
So guys, if you wouldn't mind, please go to at words to escape on Instagram and give Ronnie a follow. Calling all dreamers. We want to hear from you guys. Send us an email to a court of thorns and podcast at gmail.com. Tell us everything, how you found the series, your favorite characters, questions you have for us. Also, if you guys like us at all, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts, a rating on Spotify, anything to help us find more of our bookish friends. Um, we would not be mad if you shared the podcast with your friends. Totally okay. Not a bad thing to do. I'll give you five bonus points. Ooh, five, Abby. Whoa. I know. <laughs> Just in time. I don't know what you can redeem them for yet, but... Some motivation. Some reading motivation. Maybe some uh, encouragement to survive the upcoming holidays with your non-bookish family and friends. <sighs> you know what? That is the one pro living in Italy. <laughs> I don't have to do that. I'm jealous. I want to live in Italy for the holidays then. To the people who listen and the dreams that are answered, we'll see you next week. And remember, don't let the hard days win. Thank you for me from the dark. It's a man on the fly. It's me taking all my feelings. You in my head, you in my heart. I'm dog. I quit the podcast. Goodbye. And this is where it ends. We made it to 20. 21 was the death of us. That's it. 21 was too much.